Greetings and welcome to the fourth installment of Archetype of Reality. I am Huge and I will be your reflection for this episode. Today we will be exploring the interconnected relationship of inner worlds and outer worlds. Now there's only so much I could fit into one episode on what is relevant about these polarizing forces that is constant in all of our growths. So I'm going to take us into the major points in the cyclical nature between these two realms that propagate the multiple dimensions within an individual's reality. Now, I'm going to introduce some basic fundamentals to psychological development, as well as some basic points that will take us deeper into quantum physics. And I just want to establish this as a groundwork for the first half of this podcast episode because it'll really allow us to see how we are experiencing the human experience as conscious beings and defining these worlds and navigating these different perceptions and realities based on chemistry and as well as energetics. So I'm going to start this episode with two fundamentals that can act as a foundation to build on the complexities of how inner worlds and outer worlds interact. They are called interoception and exteroception. Interoception, simply put, is the physical sensation inside our body, the vital organs, and the perception we built based solely on the internal sensations. Exteroception is based on the physical senses and the external environment. It's the perceptions built on information acquired by the environment around us. Between these two fundamentals is where our perception of self, the personality, and the time perception of certain spaces, settings, circumstances is developed. How these two fundamentals interact forms the rate and trajectory of what one believes is available as suggestions to how to fulfill one's desire and needs. The way one establishes relationship dynamics starts as soon as we are born. The way we choose and how we utilize the qualities of their personality, their appearance, and their social status becomes more clear when we can look at the simple call and response method. This is the first way anybody, any of us, learns to build their identity. So this is where we'll begin the episode. Let us look at the early stages of psychological development as an infant. This is quite a fluctuating time for a person and it really speaks volumes on the subjectivity and objectivity of what general wealth and general curses truly means in this context. The people who play their roles as your parental figures has their major influences in what they present when they do interact with you and the presence and self of the parental figures in the presence of the infant, meaning how the infant symbolizes how the infant equates the value, the purpose and functionality of why we are communicating, the infant and the parental figures. 
So that was quite a mouthful, and let me give you a general example to get deeper into the specifics. So say I as an infant am hungry. Now, I don't personally know what hunger means or let alone understand why I suddenly feel uncomfortable, more so discontent. But my parental figures see the irritability and discontent behavior and make an effort to gauge what it is required to change my mood to a more pleasant or content form of expression. For this example, we're using hunger, but it could be change the diapers, uh, reciprocate a certain feeling that I'm interoceptive that I want to explore and connect with my exteroception. We'll go deeper into that phrase later. But for now, we're using hunger as a general example of what we mean between these two fundamentals. So parents realize I'm hungry, and I realize as they place this substance in my mouth, the sensation of what is going on inside my body changes. I experience pleasure, therefore I am no longer irritated and feel comforted in knowing that there is a way to change the irritability, the discontent feeling. Now, as time goes on, I as an infant realize every time I feel this certain sensation called hunger that I know correlates to food and is because of the sound, are you hungry, falls with the response. Now, as time goes on, I as an infant realize every time I feel this certain sensation called hunger that I know correlates to food is because of the sound, are you hungry, falls with food, and this is because of the repetition in response to my distress, right? This is the form that we call call and response. The infant has acknowledged a medium to fulfill their means, and what I mean by this is the child hasn't learned English, the infant hasn't learned English, or whatever medium of communication, verbal communication, uh, particularly that the parental figures are exchanging and wanting to correlate and find familiarity, build with the child's own language that they are feeling inside their body. So in correlation uh, to my act of getting the attention, I want to fulfill my needs. I also must somehow address to my parents what it is specifically that is causing discontent. This usually is in the act of dramatic movements and eventually crying, yelling, and or other guttural noises of distress. Remember, I as an infant don't know the verbal communication yet, though I'm going to slowly learn and pick up those social cues, the body language, get the customization between myself and my parental figures. Now the moments between the call and the response is what plays a crucial role later as we become adults in our own critical thinking, analysis, and everyday decisions, in turn becoming habits and routines, and even what caliber we position our dreams and goals, what caliber do we dare to imagine ourselves to do what we do with what we feel inside, with our senses coupling those things together to achieve what we want in our desires. All of this is affected by that moment between the call and the response. Now, this example can get more dynamic in the possibilities of the outcomes, but I am keeping it as simple as possible for all of you to explore in your own experience, you know, as you've grown up. <clears throat> 
If I began to have immediate responses to my distress, I am going to get used to that experience. And if it continues that my parents have the ability to be prompt in their response to my distress calls, that will later affect how I signify success and progress as I get older. This can be taken on the other side of the spectrum where my calls are given more lengthy time that would make me as an infant believe I need to increase my volume, my presence, and dramatize my movements as more time passes for I believe that my presence isn't being acknowledged with what I am already doing. There's an urgency because I as an infant am looking at my parental figures as some superheroes that are fulfilling all my internal needs they're able to somehow evaluate my being and my expression and calculate what I'm feeling inside and then give a certain action whether it's the food the changing the diaper the playtime and in that relationship I as an infant look at these people to fulfill all my needs which creates an urgency and again, rem remembering that there is a crucial role between the call and response, the space between. So we have these two basic examples of call and response based on stress. Because how a person develops their relationship with stress determines many things like motivation, confidence, multitasking, relationship dynamics amongst peers and colleagues. Happiness is essentially always going to be there. Though how a person has learned to embrace and resolve fears, traumas, and limits is what creates the suggestible choices for their ambitions, passions, taste for life, their lifestyle. And you can just imagine how the mood of the caregivers, the parental figures, their vocabulary, cadence towards the infant, and to each other that the infant is witnessing, right? The infant is also witnessing how the mother parental figure and the father parental figure, or in general, the couple, are interacting with each other. And in that way, the child is being influenced and in how they can communicate later in life. And the variability in spacing of time to respond to each call ripples as the infant grows older and most importantly when the infant isn't given what it demands. So what I mean by that last statement is in terms of veritability, every day, every moment, every desire the infant has, it's not going to be met with the same time spacing, meaning that it's not going to be fulfilled at the dot every time like it was before, and some days may have a longer response, and some days even in terms of my own interoception of what's going on within me, may alter the way I need to express um, what it is that I want and I might be needing more um, more detail, more depth and in emotional and in, in emotional intelligence to be coherent with whatever I'm feeling as an infant. So just again that everything that we want as children as infant, the parents, whether they fulfill it or not, um, whether they fulfill it or not, their engagement, their initial approach time is not always going to be the same. They're not always going to be there immediately. Some days it may take longer, reminding you that, of course, everyone has 
their own daily uh, trials and tribulations to rotate through as they handle their priorities and responsibilities. So what I'm mentioning here is something called time perception. So basically what time perception is the memories that correlate to what we do now and how that carries out. So what I mean by that is you could have two people that both say, I like apples. But one person can simply like the apple more for the reason of the color than the taste. And the second person that says, I like apples, can like the apple because it refers to a happy, secure memory, perhaps with a dear friend, a person, their parents, and just having that experience of the apple, tasting it, just allows them to relive that subconscious energetic state that's been encapsulated in time. This is important because, again, as we build time perception of the spacing between the call and response, we're also going to adopt that into our own internal dialogue when we become more authoritative in our own lives. So again, you have two people who say they love apples. Both parties have different memories associated to their individual likings, lovings for the apple, which means the references to anything to do with the apple is formulated by what is going on inside the person and what was going on around them every time the person had an opportunity to build more associations to that energy, to that emotion that links with that action, which is in this case, biting into an apple, the action of choosing the apple, the action of thinking about, hmm, should I have an apple today, when? There's a really interesting concept of the subconscious narrative and how it pushes out the emotions to what we want and it's a beautiful thing when we actually get to learn about our self-awareness to this level which we can do in so many ways that I will explain a little bit later in this episode as well as future episodes of how we can biohack ourselves. So something I want to mention in terms of time perception is that we're going to speak of this in the context of you being a conscious being within matter, but you're also a conscious being within the quantum field. And to bring this conscious experience into a balanced reality is something that we call space-time and time-space. Now, space-time is literally everything you could experience within that one timeline, that one possibility, and all the different ways it could show up to a certain destination point. And in this sense, you could see that you're experiencing time in space-time continuum as linear. As time goes on, we have to know that it's a frequency riding, an energetic signature that you're sustaining, identified mostly with your material body rather than viewing your experience on a more electric or energetic sense. 
Now, why I'm emphasizing time so much here is because time is eternal. And when you realize time is eternal, you realize that time is also based on frequency, which means that when we're having fun, right? Elevated emotions, high frequency, time seems to fly by, as they say. And it makes sense because also scientifically, we find that negative, heavy emotions vibrate slower which means your body is going to experience things on a more material level and less on an energetic level. And this energetic state that we experience is called, um, is called time-space continuum. And this is basically what we're going into when we talk about 4D, 5D reality. It's about the infinite potential within all the spaces right because space is infinite there's never a lack of space you can keep going within something and it goes on forever and that experience of forever from one threshold to another whatever the marking points of between that moment and forever and that moment and forever is because of time but again if you're in a state of high elevation where you understand its frequency then you're just having a very long, eternal, present moment that goes on forever, and you're not breaking it up into past, present, or future. And this state is when we become the most potent and active in shifting and choosing our reality, regardless of the physical space around us, which is more so space-time continuum. And if you don't understand so much of the difference of time-space and space-time, there is some videos that Dr. Joe Dispenza, great biofeedback, great quantum physicist, great just innovator of changing consciousness, he speaks about this. And I'll definitely put a link in the description if you guys want to learn more about the quantum field. So As conscious beings, we weave between multiple dimensions and worlds we have created within our individual minds to facilitate a diverse number of narratives being plotted by the emotional landscape we've shaped to have a grounding, a sensible nature in participating in our narrative, right? Because we've been given things in life and most of the things that we've been given to build on aren't the things we've chosen, it was just things that we fully received as infants. And I'll explain why we do that in a moment. But we want to participate and understand the narrative, the story that our bodies have naturally built just because of the physicality, the physics of how biochemistry works and how also electromagnetism works in coupling with uh, chemistry, making psychological traits and developments. So... This also means that we want to understand, again, why we do things we do, but we also regulate and limit our perception of what is possible and suggestible because of the narrative we've been given. The interoception, exteroception dynamic that we've built as infants with our parental figures, that actually limits our possibilities of thinking outside of ourselves. So again, we regulate and limit our perception of what is possible and suggestible as relevant knowledge, whatever feels relevant to who we are, 
That's what we usually look for. So that is limiting. And these are all based on the times that we are introduced and educated on the dynamics between desires and emotions. Sometimes the individual may not have an inkling, any inkling of self-awareness that there is a world outside of their reference points. So this is what I meant earlier by space-time continuum within your own identity, not being able to think outside of the box of your identity, your self-awareness. And each person has a unique process based on the time perception of where they believe they are in their mind and emotional state and what is actually occurring around them. So what I mean by this is you could be triggered by something and your nervous system fires off certain neural networks that bring upon the memory and the energetic state of that time is now quantified in this present state. Now the thing is, you're at this age, this current moment, but you could believe your emotional and intellectual state can revert into, say, 14, 25, just something that hasn't been fully developed, that hasn't been fulfilled or integrated into that quantum field of time and space that I mentioned because it's still dense, it's still packed. This can't be seen as black and white to understand the root of what I'm conveying, but I can offer a view at the template, the soil that we are all rooted in. Because again, we're all so complex, we're all so unique in the way we perceive time and the way we connect with space and create with space in the timing that we're in. It is important to be mindful of what the routing options the person gives themselves to interface from outer world to inner world, vice versa, inner world to outer world. Imagine a sponge with all this unique arrangement of pores and cavities and you can imagine this being the network of how a person travels from their inner world to their outer world. And it is, of course, like I said, different for each person. Sometimes a trauma-based personality trait is so embedded into our persona's foundation that we are more fearful of what becomes of us if we forfeit let go of the trauma-based personality trait because uncertainty can definitely feel scarier at times than the certain outcomes that come from our pre-position, disposition. Right? Because we tend to be more fearful of the unknown than we are of what we're already in. And sometimes that means we'll choose the pain of comfortability rather than the pain of growth. So, as the infant grows older, their desires to meet certain tasks becomes more ambitious and experimental. And this is the interesting part to me. It's interesting because the child growing up has now established a territory with their parental figures. Remember what I said, that I as an infant am looking at these people as superheroes, but also that I acknowledge that they want to take care of me and they want to be around me. and that anything I do that I feel inside that I want to fulfill, they will manage to find a way to figure it out when I'm an infant. So there's a certain territory that the child has built in their mind and they're gonna experiment with that as they get older. 
So let me continue on with that. The child has acquired a certain amount of information to build their foundation of what is going to be their intellect, intelligence. And intelligence, intellect, by definition, is one's ability to acquire knowledge and to apply it. It's how capable they are of understanding the information at hand. There's an understanding in the dynamic that the child is, av is aware of what they will utilize in order to continue having their demands met. But as a role of a parental figure, these people are in a position to regulate, moderate, and discipline the child's tendencies to meet a certain criteria. So this is what I mean by as you grow older, your own narrative that you've been given and you just have to work with, you know, until you reach a certain state that your brain waves can allow you to have more cognition and choice, that you need to unravel that and understand that we're so psychologically embedded to what our parents have given to us in terms of our self-identity and the capabilities. And this is not also directly what they show you in this space-time continuum, in this material form that you know, you're know you associating the experience with their body to your body, but also genetically on the quantum field. Um, what has been passed down to you that hasn't unlocked yet but will later in life based on your own choices as well. And it's just very important to understand how vital that foundation is and the trajectory of what unlocks later in your life. And this is what you can think of in terms of generational wealth and generational curses because our parents, our parents' parents, the generations before all had their own ideals of how success comes or what they punished themselves or experienced in terms of harm and danger in their lives or joy and their capacity to imagine joy, success, splendors, luxuries. And you also have to imagine the society that defined what these words meant and what everyone did in, in terms of uh, social status and um, job occupations, family dynamics and how they represent each other in the community. Now, there is a recognition in what the child will learn as authority throughout its life in response to their own desires and needs. The lining between individualism and cooperative interactions begins to broaden, separate, when the brainwaves majorly operating within delta theta change at the age of seven. So this is what I meant by what changes that allows a child to magically, <laughs> scientifically, become more astute to making their own decisions, more competent to feel that chemistry, electromagnetic change, energetic more than matter, and energetic change in their being. The brain waves begin to transition into a more beta-alpha state, and this is where the child becomes more creatively attuned to their own definitions and desire to meet their definitions, meaning they, keep, they become more visually oriented in their minds, able to compose and arrange all the shapes and colors they've absorbed so far, as well as character traits that they will imbue and explore. I'm sure we've all heard children make beautiful or really well in-depth uh, stories, characters, fables, and this is because they're kicking in high gear on that be uh, beta-alpha state 
which is usually what we do when we visualize when we're at the threshold right before lucid dreaming and we're still conscious in terms of meditative states. And delta theta state is very much so hap <laughs> delta theta state is happening in the same process of when one is in a deep state of meditation and for this the person is basically entranced in deep hypnosis which is why the child is just absorbing 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 and repeating they don't know how to think for themselves literally in terms of brain waves electric magnetics before the age of seven you can think of living in a state of deep hypnosis everything gets deeply stored into the subconscious and for approximately the next 10 years is this trial and error of configuring what is considered logical to my own sense of logic. What the child has as a first available resource for logic is the depth of their emotional context, which is majorly based on how the parents reacted to the child's behavior in their early stages, 0 to 7. This is what they'll refer to and adjust constantly as their outer world expands beyond their parental figures onto other sensory stimulants. Right? Because as a child grows older, they see other humans, they start adopting, they start becoming more coherent to reflecting the model they are as a human being to the model of other human beings outside of their home. As the infant grows into a child, the consciousness of this being becomes more and more aware of their inner world and outer world, right? As I said, um, as a child, you're not, as an infant particularly, uh, I'm being very specific with these words, as an infant, you're not fully aware that you're in a human body. You're not fully aware of why you excrete what you excrete out of your you know, reproductive organs, your pores, why you sweat, why you cry, why you're hungry. You don't understand that until the outer world responds in some way, and then you have to internalize and intercept that experience and create more intellectual, intellectual narratives based on what you are already feeling inside. And then until you're ready or until something else pushes through from the outside world, you will further integrate and make those constant adjustments. So as we get older from infant, child, and onwards, we become more capable of making cognitive decisions on our interoception and exteroception. Though this call and response, you have to remember, is just a reflection, a replication of the model you built as an infant with your parental figures and all you're doing now is taking more authority in that cycle of call and response within yourself. So the space between call and response is like an interfacing space and we can call the space a buffering zone. Kind of like the moments between your screen changing from one app or website to another. This buffering zone is equating how much of the information is in association to what they've already experienced and how much of it is new or otherwise disassociated from their current identity. Now association and disassociation in terms of psychology and the quantum field is 
really important to understand if we want to take charge in shifting our reality. This is where time perception plays its vital role in what memories do they choose as an identity to form, gain, establish a feeling of sensibility, therefore control, territory, and the interaction, exchange, setting. This means different phases of our life, different stages of age, encapsulates an emotional charge that works its way into a present expression though it must continually be externalized, meaning whatever you feel inside is not going to change until you embody it with your human faculties. And that's the only way that time perception will update what's happening inside of them or what they believe has, is happening inside of them in terms of emotions and thoughts. Another way of saying this is you can be 37 and you could have a specific relationship dynamic that requires a degree of emotional maturity, say you're seeking a partner or you have a partner, and that's a relationship dynamic uh, that we could refer to for this example. So say you could be 37, looking for this specific relationship dynamic that you know requires emotional maturity within yourself, not the other person. But it's lacking or distorted because the person has chosen to suppress or oppress their that part of themselves as they continue into adulthood. So this part of you was most conscious of itself, say, at age 24, but you never challenged that part of you outside its time perception. Therefore, you can easily mistaken yourself to behaving as you think you have control over however you're behaving at that moment. But in reality, many, and if not most of our reactions and standpoints come from reference points of the past to assert an attitude because in the present moment and in the future state they are intimate in terms of the quality that gives uncertainty eternity is uncertain because there's so many possibilities it's not fixed but the past is so again Dr. Joe Dispenza puts it great that 80-90% of our thoughts and actions are just ones that we're repeating from the day before. Incredible, right? 90%. So let me continue on. Whether you believe it or not, being in a body entails survival, which entails territory and control. And the most control you will ever have over anything in your life is your own body and mind. But even this can take control if one doesn't take the time to discern the individual self and the awareness you are. So as long as one isn't clear about their inner world, the outer world will always feel like a wave that influences your authenticity, your honesty, your true desires, your latent realizations for highest potentials. There is no way to truly know what you are capable of unless you go to a place that's deep within yourself, that's not associated by what you've already learned that you get into a state that strips away the qualities of your job, your friends, your daily routine, your emotional thresholds, your quirks, your nuances, to that eternal now that time can present to us. That's the real inner work. You continually maintain focus of awareness 
on that eternal now, on that present moment. And the longer you stay in that inner space and the time perceptions working as a forefront of your conscious behaviors, they start to peel away and you start to disassociate and unwind from your preconditions of survival sensations and behaviors. And you learn to reintroduce new suggestions on how to create with the emotional charge rather than, rather than reacting and even responding to it from references to past environments. Meaning, if you don't, your nervous system will. Look out for dangers in case this environment is not like the last one. Creating false sense of survival, meaning you think you are in danger because your nervous system is creating an electric charge, releasing biochemical feedback in terms of hormones that allows the mind to extract memories. Therefore, your time perception of who you are, regardless of what age, you're living in the past. And that's all based on association. That's all based on survival. So this is binding you to a feedback loop where your interpretation and your actions are generated from fear. You'll begin to paint the world with fear. We learn to be more intentional and more clear with what's unfolding right in front of us. And the more clear we become of what we're feeling and what we're acknowledging and realizing, it's always going to require more honesty from ourselves to dive and dig a little deeper every time we want to level up. Every level up means you must disassociate with how you maintained yourself in your previous associations to what you think your life is. Healing means, and I just saw this today, healing basically means that you're onto a new character, a new version of you, which means it requires a different version of you to show up, which means dig a little deeper, get a little more honest about who you are, disassociate from the narrative that you've been given and you've also used to build, take time to get into those meditative states and get into that hypnotic state that you were when you were a child and that is the timing, that is the window to put your affirmations, put your mantras, put your suggestions in your mind when your brainwave is in that state, I believe is the most optimal time to make potency and competence of your energy when we're doing this inner work. And every time we level up, that buffer zone gets thinner and thinner. And the call and response feedback loop becomes less pertained to the outer world as you realize more and more how we are responding to what we call within, what we call within us. Because think about the outer world and the inner world. They're both worlds, which means they're both created out of symbols. And regardless of how you learned whatever, the symbols that you choose in your life are all in symmetry with your thoughts and emotions and this again is based on the narratives that you picked up the emotional charges the time perception of those symbols when you were educated about them and this is what is meant earlier by how the early stages of human development directly reflect in our beliefs about what we are capable of the caliber of our goals and dreams the rate at which we believe things and should go in order for it to be in the form that we want to process. Cycles.
because as you get older and your parental figures become less of an authoritative figure, your brain and nervous system's decisions are based on the way your parental figures defined those moments for you in terms of punishment, discipline, reward, rejoice, embarrassment, triumphant, recovery. You didn't know any of these things. All you knew is that you felt something inside and that you want to express it into the outer world in terms of your parents responding to it and molding definitions to make to have you believe these are the appropriate actions or the appropriate ways to feel about your feelings or to think about your feelings. And of course, eventually this goes on to translate into the benefits you look for in friendships, peers, colleagues, and teamwork. And also, when you want to be alone, when you choose to be alone. Now, I mentioned time-space and space-time as two key components for the human experience as far as this episode is concerned with. And it's because synchronicity is an everlasting presence. The more developed you get within yourself, that buffer zone between your feelings and the choice you make, or whatever is coming up naturally inside, and how you respond gets thinner and thinner. That little space of, hmm, what should I do, just becomes tighter and more clear and more detailed and efficient because you're becoming more honest and you're becoming less filtered trying to accustom your actions, your feelings based on whatever the outer world is doing. So what do I mean by synchronicities and everlasting presence? And how does this relate to time, space, space time? In terms of conscious evolution and empowering yourself, you're going to eventually learn you must operate in your life knowing you have multiple versions of you all acting accordingly to their own timeline. And what you're experiencing now is just a subjective conscious standpoint and of this one timeline that you're just proceeding through in this body, with this persona, with your time perception of who you are. Genetically speaking, because with space-time continuum, we're referring to this physical space and all the possibilities here, which means it's this physical body that you're experiencing this timeline in. So that is more of a linear and less than a non-linear experience, which is more of a time-space continuum. That was a mouthful. So what I mean by that is what I referred to before, that space goes on forever. And as we become more present of our physical body and our physical position within this state of time, this energetic state, we realize all the frequencies that we've experienced from highs to lows do mark past, present, future, success. This was a good time in life. This was a bad time. But if you look at it all as energy, you become present in that eternal now. And this is where you understand that these are all different versions of you in different time perceptions within this one space, a.k.a. the body. With time-space continuum, we're speaking about your consciousness embodying a body with different circumstances, different persona, different timelines. For example, a timeline where you're able to walk again as to being paralyzed in this one. This is what we call quantum leaping, as to the former is what we call self-empowerment. 
And in this timeline that you're experiencing as you're listening to this podcast is a subjective viewpoint, a subjective awareness of yourself in this one space that you're going on and on within. But you're marking that on and on, that forever feeling based on the emotions and the memories that you have established, which creates past, present, future. This is a good part of my life. This is a bad part. But if you look at all of that as frequencies, as energy, it all becomes one. Everything in time becomes one. And you realize these are just different time perceptions of your energetic state. And the more you pertain to an emotion, that time perception of that one part of your life, and you keep repeating it, that creates a feedback loop which limits suggestions, which means that energy gets more dense and gets more entropic, and there is less energy available to work outside of that, which means this part of you gets more depressing, this part of you gets more trivial, and it can get more difficult to activate yourself into another state when you're trying to deactivate it. That's space-time continuum, when each of those versions are only aware and relevant to their own space. They don't know the infinite other spaces where other timelines exist. Because you have to remember that what I'm speaking about in space-time continuum is completely based on chemistry, material, nothing to do with the electric, nothing to do with the mind, but more the body. Though in time-space continuum, you're realizing that time, energy, is just frequencies. And it's a harmonic of frequencies that encapsulates um, a moment in space with all the times in it. And that these moments in your life are only relevant to the emotional charge that is molded and protected by the thoughts and the script that you've built into those aspects of you. So when we talk about, oh, I had a good part of my life here, bad part, this is a happy part, past, present, future, that all dissolves once you realize that who you are now and who you were before and what you're doing in any time is based on what you're extracting from those times that you've lived in. But when you're so present and you realize these are all just moments based on the energetic charge and you allow all the frequencies to become present with you, this is what we call a time-space continuum. This is where we enter into the quantum field, where there is an infinite amount of suggestions of what you can become and perform beyond your current state of being. So an example of this is, say, you're not able to walk. And we go into a state of we go into a state of delta theta, which activates the quantum field energetic signature within your being, your physical being. And now your body has to follow what is being suggested by the brain because electromagnetic stimulation is always going to be more penetrating, powerful, faster, immediate, and articulated than chemical changes. So that means you have the ability to walk if you've been told that you're paralyzed and you can't walk. And again, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza is a great person to look into in terms of the quantum field and how we can utilize it in our human experience because we have to realize that the unknown, the future, 
the present, the past, it's all a part of us, but we forget that the unknown is an integral, integral, <laughs> the unknown is an integral, wow, integral, wow, whatever. The unknown, the uncertainty is a core fundamental part, wow. <laughs> the unknown, the uncertainty is a core fundamental in our human nature. It's not something that's a byproduct. It's literally something that's always within us. The uncertainty is a great component that we have to be aware of and utilize, celebrate, love, and trust to operate and explore the full potential of being human in whatever character that you want to mold within. We all inherently are designed to belong, to be a part of a larger network than our own worlds. Not only to explore and build on what we know, but also challenge the parts of us to be curious and wonder about the things we don't know. It's important to reflect on the certain personality traits you have now and how much of that trait's evolution had voluntary changes or the environment molded the outcomes that you believe you had the power of choice in. Because remember what I said, 90% of our choices and thoughts, specifically thoughts before they become actions, because that's even an action itself, a mental action. 90% of that is just repetition of the day before. It's quite a paradox as it seems both can't happen without the other and that both can't happen simultaneously though there is a silver line that delivers discernment in what you perceive. I call it the zero point field. I believe every timeline has a zero point field and if you don't know what zero point is, it's basically an energetic state within a time-space continuum that continues to amplify in potency and power in magnitude and presence as more time goes, which means this energetic state called zero point is only getting more powerful and more potent in its ability of charging something as it's sustained longer. And what this looks like in the body again is when we meditate and we hold that state. So I'll go deeper into that in just a moment. So I believe every timeline has a zero point and like rivers to the ocean and roots and branches imbalanced by the trunk of the tree, we too are breathing multiple timelines and there is a timing on when these timelines branch and when all these timelines meet within that space-time continuum. And you do have a choice when to close and discontinue a timeline, open and transcend the prior into a new, and completely reclaim and restructure one. All these options and more that I haven't mentioned, that you can be thinking of maybe, is dependent on the zero point field. So why I mention the rivers to the ocean, roots and branches analogy, is because those are all the individual timelines, but they're all structured within the center, a center balancing point, which is the ocean, which is the trunk of the tree. And on a subjective level, when you're going through time, it's like you're going from the center all the way out amongst the branches into the river and then into the roots or into another bay 
and eventually flowing back into the ocean or into the trunk. And we're doing this all the time. And based on, again, your awareness, you could stay in that feedback loop on and on and on. But the more you stay in one, the more limited and the more depressed we become because we'd feel more like matter and less like energy. And there has to be a balance in those two points of our existence. How to recognize the zero point field, how to locate and step into it. Whichever paradigm you're experiencing is to notice, if I could put it poetically, the weather patterns happening around your buffer zone. What's coming into that space when you make a decision and the attitude you leave with. You have to pay attention to those patterns and you have to pay attention to what it looks like in terms of the decision you make in that buffer zone and how it comes out because sometimes we think we're going to be nice at that moment or we're going to be polite or respectful but then the way our biochemistry the way our physicality has been built doesn't allow that new suggestion doesn't allow that electromagnetic stimulation to be coherent with our biological actions Now, I broke down earlier how the inner world is essentially built on the responses we've given to our emotions, and in turn, certain memories become like wallpaper and decoration as a pattern for the building blocks that later use to expand our inner world. Unless we voluntarily rip ourselves out of that norm or into something that feels strange. So a good way of seeing all of this is this Alex Gray painting, which is a part of the cover. It's the light orbs, and you could use this as a reference for visualization. Imagine your electromagnetic field, and if you don't know what that looks like, it looks like an orb with lines circulating from the inside and out, kind of like an orange, perfect, an orange. And the contour lines, the edges, the line work of the orange is like each separate timeline and they meet at that zero point in the middle and then they come back out and they meet so this is a feedback loop and in this Alex Gray painting you can see a bunch of these oranges a bunch of these um, time space continuum spa time space continuums all stacked in rows going in this long hallway and they're all connected by the opening above and the opening below so just try to imagine that as best as possible. Keep it simple with just a bunch of oranges that are stacked on top of each other and also in rows, one behind the other. And the line work of how you draw this orange is replicating the timelines and that the openings above and below are, is how different timelines, different time-space continuums uh, connect and interact and are affected by each other. So most of us are not self-conscious of the process when our consciousness walks between the inner world and outer realms of being. And this is where the personality formulates trauma responses rather than the responses you choose. That you choose. Let me just emphasize that tone. Not your body, not your mind, not your chemistry, not your electromagnetism but that you choose in terms of utilizing and mastering these tools once you understand them. Because if you don't, it turns into trauma. And trauma formulates when we are stuck in that 
uh, one finite space-time continuum and we aren't allowing ourselves to connect with the multidimensionality of you. As a trauma can become chronic and com complex, the person has to recognize that zero point field in those triggersome settings feelings. If they want to disengage and generate from another source of power other than fear, pain, and suffering. Every time we learn a lesson, it's involving the inner world and outer world to curate the experience for that lesson to be delivered to your consciousness. Remember what I said, for you to update something inside of you, you have to exercise it with all of you, which means you have to involve your senses and all your human faculties and the world, the community, the peers, and you have to experiment to see if something can change inside or if something did change inside. Every time we learn a lesson, we are reclaiming power from either our inner worlds and or outer worlds. Remember, you're choosing, not your electromagnetic state and not your biochemical state. You are changing it. You are choosing. To apply the lesson is when we become wiser and every time we loop to a similar space where it reminds us of those times that it happened, time perception. It doesn't mean you haven't learned the lesson, it just means you haven't learned the entirety of the spectrum of that specific dynamic between your inner world and outer world at those occasions. So say at the zero point of that specific space-time continuum there's a specific lesson and you keep, seeming, you keep coming back to that lesson and you keep learning different ways to apply it. It doesn't mean you haven't learned it, it means you're learning the entirety of it. And this is like that experience of being in first-person perspective at the center of the orange and following each line, each ridge of that orange slice. And each time you go into the center, you're going to travel to a different part of that orange. And eventually, you're going to get familiar with all the dimensions of that space-time continuum, of that world, of that dimension. You'll keep looping and returning to that zero-point field, like I mentioned, and you'll keep learning different tones and depths and attitudes that the lesson can be perceived from and also teaches you how to apply it in different standpoints and maturities. But in order to quantum leap from, again, one orange to another, from the self you believe you are now to a life where the main character's voice narrating all the books in your life sounds more embodied to love patience, understanding, and acceptance. To add is a radical phenomenon to embody, by the way. Is being able to slow down enough to observe the natural cycle between your inner and outer worlds. That buffer zone that I keep mentioning, I only call it the buffer zone because once you're in observation mode in that zone, you'll watch how your personality has ways to mold the information from outside to make aspects of it more acceptable, digestible, which means you're exempting or not being attentive to certain details, which could be voluntarily that you're avoiding things or unconsciously that you've just programmed yourself to do that. And what I meant by the main character's voice changing is that as you elevate and you become more of an energetic being that grounds your material being, that voice inside your head, or voices inside your head, 
they all become more distinguishable, more discerned, more compartmentalized based on the timeline that they were generated from that gives you the time perception of who you are when all of these things come together, all these voices. And you get to distinguish the main character's voice, which is always going to be more loving, more accepting, more compassionate as you get more energetic as a conscious being in the human body because that main voice will become more clear and distinguishable as you elevate. The longer you can sustain attention of your life from this point in the buffer zone, the more power you reclaim from all the energy it takes to be the person that enacts these dramas internally in your own head or the dramas that we tend to sustain and entertain outside of us. And we usually do this because, simply put, we haven't learned our lesson. We haven't understood the theme of that emotional charge. We haven't brought it to a quantum state where it's less dense and that emotional charge becomes more energetic and less biochemical. Therefore, you're able to utilize those emotions on a more elevated state for creation rather than entropy, which is just repeating and repeating and repeating the same thing. So the much simpler way of saying this, the slowing down when you're in that buffer zone, when you're in that space between the inner world and outer world, is by simply saying muddy water is best cleared when left alone. And it's important to understand what that truly means in a subjective experience in real direct time happenings. As the timelines collapse, like a star collapsing to its core, and this is happening because, again, every time you learn a lesson, you're reclaiming the power as a conscious being, and you're allowing that, that space-time continuum to enter into a time-space continuum. It's becoming less matter and more energy because you're releasing the energetic state of that um, space. And now you're able to create with it more rather than reacting to the ent entropy of it, which is just you repeating, repeating, getting deeper and deeper in that state, which is not allowing for things to actually change. So as the timelines collapse, as you make these changes, as you embody and become more present, it's like a star collapsing to its core. The zero point energy becomes more intense as an expression of change, specifically the change to rebirth, to change ourselves like a star. Though here comes the paradox of, is this what I'm choosing? Or is the environment convincing me, convincing me these are my choices? That paradox becomes more active in its play as the mind tunes the body into an energetic state that is contrasting to its biological state. Meaning sometimes we take these quantum leaps and they're so radical in transformation <laughs> that our body, our chemistry, our cells just can't believe. Like, whoa, that's what we're going to do. This is the change. I don't know how to do that. But on an electromagnetic level, you're vibrating faster and higher than your body is currently, which creates such a dynamic contrast of this paradox, which is, again, is this what I'm choosing or is the environment convincing me these are my choices? As you approach the door to a higher, I would hope, 
higher energetic expressions of your being, the more associations to who you are now gets thicker and saturates the elements in your external environment, meaning your senses, your identity of how you perceive yourself biologically, materially in your body only, because sometimes the chemistry can overcompensate the electromagnetic uh, pulses coming from the brain. And this all has to do with, again, resonance. And if your brain is vibrating, your mind, not only your brain, your mind, your consciousness, is inserting suggestions of a higher uh, vibration, of course your body's going to be like, whoa, this is not what we are used to doing. And in turn, your body's convincing you that you're not capable of it. But this is what happens when we get closer to what we want. And a great way to put this is if you've ever read um, The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Little boy, big dreams for adventure, finds a treasure map, goes after it, gets closer to anyone. He actually knows where it is, and most people, uh, everyone, can find it. And these are great explorers, philosophers, brilliant minds that have came before him. And he looks at his own biological standpoint as a little boy that knows nothing and he starts playing imposter syndromes like I just got lucky do I deserve this someone who's more competent someone who will do more with this someone who has a life and he starts just comparing his own value and his existence because of where his mind has taken him with what he believes or what he believed his body was capable of and he's his body is doing things that is beyond of what he thought before because now he's inserted new ideas. And if you want to know more, please read the book, Beautiful Story. You could finish that book in one day. It's uh, it's wonderful. I suggest it if you haven't. <laughs> so we get to these moments where timelines are collapsing, zero-point energy is increasing, you're becoming more centered in, 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 in infinity rather than past, present, or future. So when you're in that state, that's an opportunity quantum leap from the orange that you're in to the orange above you. Hopefully, that's what I mean. Hopefully into a higher energetic expression that you jump in that zero point state when you see that opportunity. But if you miss it, it is explained in Feng Shui that appropriating the cosmic energies here on earth allows certain things to happen the way they do and a person understanding the universal fundamentals can guide these cosmic forces and them and themselves to time their favors right but they can't control them so that means that you need to know when is the right time to put that seed in that soil and timing, again, is based on the space you create for that energy to explore its possibilities from your subjective standpoint. Because regardless of what you think, infinity is always going to be present. It's eternal. But do you know that? And how much of infinity do you know within that space, within that perception of that space? So this is what I mean by that you can't control the outcome of what your actions are but you can definitely predict and understand the circumstances for certain favorable outcomes. So this is what they mean by um, smooth sea never made a skilled sailor. You know, 
you have to understand the nature of what you're working with and how it's happening for you and it's the same thing with cooking knowing when to take it out of the oven knowing when to put it on the plate knowing when to put that seasoning for that flavor for you to achieve that experience feng shui so that means missing an opportunity would mean you having to recharge your focus intent motivation and importantly the inspiration which is a part of an organic cyclical nature inspiration to achieve a goal will always come with different memories and emotional charges to supply as fuel so yes inspiration can expire and every time inspiration does come even if it's for the same goal it'll come with different attitudes about what you're using as fuel and even when you try to replicate the same memories and emotions to fuel you to create and inspire yourself to create it may not be the same and it really does ha it really does equate to how your inner world and outer world are in harmony and this is what I meant by the more clear and honest you become that buffer zone gets thinner and thinner and inner worlds and outer worlds become more in symmetry and that synchronicity becomes more of an everlasting presence because you realize and you're not because you realize that everything that you're thinking in this world and everything you're thinking within yourself they're all connected and no matter how much you go into a far out place of imagination you're bringing it back here and you're creating symbolism with it and therefore that symbolism is affecting you once you create it into the outer world so a simple way of saying this is if you've created this idea of yourself to be this heroic stoic uh, leader that symbol that you create physically in your character traits now and in your actions is going to play a feedback loop and you're going to be affected by that symbol that you've created and why I say that way and it's like oh yeah of course but why I'm saying it that way is because you realize that as you realize your inner and outer worlds are more in symmetry and nothing's happening to you you are the thing happening yeah cool so so this means that yes inspiration can expire and we do have to trust what we ask for and the timeliness of it showing up and to not do ourselves a disservice by identifying the self on the outer world and on the inner world we got to become present to see what's unfolding at hand using the inner world of course as a reference to make sure that things are safe or that things feel a little obscured or false and that I'm not in danger and that I actually can explore and this is different this time and I am a different person and also the outer world we can't depend on physical associations to give us the signal and green light to do things we have to trust that buffer zone we have to slow down stay present in that space and just knowing how things flow in and out of you and just staying in that space really allows you to understand the circumstances of your behaviors of your psychological tendencies that you can use as inspiration to fuel whatever it is that you're trying to achieve
So there needs to be a moment in your daily routine where you can feel timeless and spaceless and make that a part of you and make that part and make that part of you participatory as the world around you and inside of you making that timeless spaceless eternal aspect of your being and letting it be incorporated not only on your energetic level but also on your material level and soon enough you allow that to be your identity which is always fluctuating and present and it's in balance with the inner world and outer world because you are in a state where you are being honest with yourself and transparent and you're not blocking the flow or inhibiting yourself from behaving certain ways or suppressing certain feelings. This is what creates entropy when we don't know how to create with that emotion and we keep repeating it, we stay in that same orange. So I used to believe you create your own reality and I thought that was the whole truth. But I realized that is only half the truth. The, o the other half of you create your own reality is based on the attitude you perceive the outer circumstances you are given. And this is what I meant before, that you could feel something, you could be competent in your intentions and be very clear and committed. But the outcome you cannot control. All you can do is adjust your attitude and remain in that elevated state so you can acquire more suggestions to maintain that elevated state to keep playing on the favor of what you want to create. So, inner circumstances, your body and mind, you are always in control of. But how your actions, the consequences, the impact, this is something you cannot control. But you can definitely play to your favor and whatever that favor is whatever you're trying to achieve or feel so this is a greater lens by introducing the quantum field which again we want to incorporate more into our daily routine and if you don't know what the quantum field is at this point it's what we call our future the present the uncertainty where all things are possible therefore all things are uncertain and the funny thing is about this quantum field is, of course, it connects the past. And when you insert the past into the quantum field, you can rewrite your memories and your nervous system actually is convinced and it believes because what you've told it is true. And they found this out in science that every time you recall a memory, you're not remembering it the first time you experienced it, you're recalling it the last time you remembered it which shows how powerful the mind is when it's committed to a certain energetic charge. Low vibration, high vibration, doesn't matter when it's focused, when it has that attention. And if we could use that attention and couple it with the quantum field, which is getting in this meditative delta theta state, which we can do through breath work, then we're really getting things done. Then we're really getting into the optimization of our inner work and really getting into what it means to create your own reality. All realities within the human experience are built on universal laws. No matter how many rules you've made for yourself, red is the frequency on the electromagnetic scale and yellow is this. That's how they look, no matter what you think. We could find that red makes itself into this frequency and yellow looks like this frequency on the electromagnetic scale. Fire will always burn us, 
Fire reminds us of passion, drive, transmutation. As flowers remind us of beauty, fragility. As newborns remind us of genius. There are symbols, like I said, that we pertain to. And certain symbols are universal no matter what rules you make or no matter what you believe within your own scientific understanding or mystical understanding of reality. And I believe as anyone who is into mysticism and all things magic, which I believe all of us are, take the time to contemplate their relationship to the personal encyclopedia they've built as tools as to use as directional pad pads and path makers. I want you to take that time. If you're really into magic and mysticism, you have to understand universal laws and you have to forfeit those personal rules that just pertain to your own benefit and favor because eventually that's what creates greed, that's what creates suffering. If you do not play by universal laws, you are not harmonious. So this means that you have to ask yourself, how much of my personal encyclopedia of how I think the universe works, how much of it is based on primordial truth, universal laws, and how much is favored to certain stories you want to keep alive? If so, why do you want that to make you alive? Why do you want that story within your life to support your aliveliness, your existence? Because some people do truly feel fear and use that as motivation to get things done, to feel things, to what they think is alive. And on the other hand, some people generate their motivation for existence and being alive through love and they use stories of times that remind them of love to motivate inspire them to create the greatest versions of themselves which becomes the patterns the building blocks of your life rather than having bricks filled with fear and the thing about fear is it's terminal so you build that brick you build that you know, story, right? Like stories of a building. You build, you build those layers with fear. Those bricks are going to become terminal, therefore they're going to dissipate. But if you build your stories from love, which is eternal, which is zero point energy, then those bricks will always stay where they are. And you could change it and utilize it for anything. Because in love, which is synonymous to zero point energy, infinite suggestions of what you can do with your stories of what you can do with your building the layers of your stories within the building if you want to destroy it it's because you're doing it out of love i would hope and if you rebuild it you know what you're going to find to rebuild your life again is love so this is why it's important to take that time in the quantum field and to bring new suggestions into your past as much as I am speaking about the future and present, having those suggestions of love, elevated feelings be inserted into the past when you're in that quantum field is just as, as important as building onwards of where you're currently at. And it's okay to go to the lower floors, renovate before you keep building it higher and higher because the higher you build something, the more structured and harmonious the foundation has to be to keep a center point balance, that zero point field, that quantum field, 
that space between the inner world and outer world, that buffer zone. The longer you participate, the longer you operate from that timeless, spaceless place that I call the buffer zone, the more you are able to find more suggestions of whatever you want to build in life. But you have to make you have to make the start, that journey, into reclaiming your power and all the layers that have built you up into this moment. So there is no rush into building your life because that feeling of rush is only coming because you think you're going backwards, but you're not. You're going forwards by making new content for your building blocks out of love rather than fear. So I'm always being attentive and mindful of what I'm reminiscing who I am thinking about, what I'm daydreaming about, what I'm sondering about in my head. I, you know, I daydream a lot and I space out a lot. And a lot of people catch that in terms of, you know, people that hang out with me and they just know like, ah, you just in that space. Like he's just spacing out, (laughs) but I'm quite aware of that. And I allow those moments to happen and I don't allow myself to get fully enveloped where I allow my nervous system to believe this is what's happening again. And sometimes I do allow that to happen, but it's all in the name of wanting to change the building blocks of those memories into more love rather than what's been built on before. Just more elevated content within the building blocks of those stories and those times. Because like I said, fear is terminal, meaning it'll eventually have to uh, crumble and you'll have to replace that brick, that part of the foundation, with either more fear or love. And if you do choose fear, it allows the layers that you've built to compose certain parts of your personality to be more unstable as you realize that it is built on fear. So again, I'm attentive of those moments and I do that purposely for what I just stated. And just what is the entirety of my inner world stating energetically? And, the outer, and how is the outer world syncing up to either perpetuate or transmute the procession? And this is what I mean again by the inner world and outer world getting thinner and that buffer zone getting tighter where the inner world and outer world are now completely enveloped into each other. Because when you become present of those things, you notice that the outer world responds immediately. There is no delay. There is no time lapse. You are in a state where, again, if you're building in that quantum field, it's going to happen quicker and quicker. And it's because you're working on an energetic level, which works faster than chemistry or material level. Changes that happen, again, changes that happen on an electromagnetic energetic level happen faster than changes that happen on a biochemical, chemical, material level. This comes back to that image of the Alex Gray painting I mentioned with the orbs and the gridded lines, you know, the orange, that I could keep going and I could keep playing within this one orange and eventually I'm going to realize that it's making me limited, therefore depressed, because I don't know how to get out of it because I've played it for so long, because I've associated the outer world of this reality and the inner world of who I am in that reality, in that orange. And I have to take more time to reclaim my power, to collapse those 
timelines to charge up the zero point field so I can blast myself out into another elevated orange. <laughs> I'm loving this analogy and I really hope it's doing well in the portrayal because I don't have pictures right now as you only have my words and your own visual uh, your own visualization. So to wrap this up, looking into the universal laws like a popular one, law of attraction is beneficial in the ways you can compartmentalize your spiritual journey of what you are. So we talk about the law of attraction a lot, but how about the law of polarity, cause and effect, law of coherence, law of harmonics, law of entropy, law of creation, that I've mentioned these words here and there throughout this episode. If, again, you understand the universal laws, you are working in harmony, which means it feels easeful and it feels um, graceful, it feels fluid. It can help in grounding as to why you facilitate certain archetypes within those stories, within those certain narratives that give you that, that attitude for those certain, that give you that attitude that represents certain emotional charges, those voices in your head that all sound a little different based on the emotional attitude. And this can help you understand the people you have chosen to master the self-awareness to these dimensions of your being, right? What I'm basically saying in this sentence is sometimes we attract people who heal us and sometimes we attract people who bond to our traumas and we entertain each other's trauma until we can't entertain it anymore or we dig deeper and we go into a lower realm, a lower state orange. <laughs> like I said in Feng Shui, how you arrange the energy limits or amplifies the outcomes within that space and the connections to it, the oranges around it that you're living in. This is not only in terms of season, objects, and geographical location, but it's also but it's also in how the people have arranged themselves to weave in weave in and out of your field of perception. And when and why they enter and why they leave is something you can you can completely have guidance of if you have sense of universal harmony what I mean by this is again inner and outer worlds are always in symmetry buffer zone gets thinner when you have certain people call you when you have certain conversations come up that you didn't initiate but you definitely invited with your energetic state you can take guidance of that and direct yourself into whatever time space continuum you want to live in but it has to come with a sense of universal harmony in your actions for that to actually occur. And this is what the zero point field feels like. It feels like universal harmony, like a calm center of a hurricane is where you sit when you're in the zero point field. No matter the power and the content of what moves around you, there is a grounded action coming from ease and grace, knowing there is no power to these dramas without your center to have it revolve around you. So this is why I said noticing the weather patterns of your buffer zone and then getting accustomed to feeling centered, feeling empowered by the state of emotion, you know, elevating it, making peace with it, bringing it into your center and then allowing that energy to create more of this powerful toroidal field like a hurricane does to attract what you want on a higher elevation 
noticing the weather patterns of your buffer zone and getting accustomed to the feeling centered, feeling empowered by the state of emotion that's creating the currents between your inner world and outer world rather than giving it power or trying to overpower it. The more you invest in creating memories that comes from the centerfold of your being, the zero point, the more you maintain your position as a creator, as the interpreter of future possibilities and outcomes, and not your body, not your mind, but what you insert as suggestibilities for your body and mind to follow through with. You maintain that position. The more you stay centered and create from that space, the more you get used to reclaiming your power and creating with present emotional states and not just confining that frequency, that time perception, that time in your life that results in you behaving that way, which results in you creating with that emotion. That can all be expanded for you to have more suggestibility when you're in that zero point state rather than be confined to what is being su suggested through the attitude of that emotional state. As a result, you progressively feel more harmonious to the timing, the depth, and the arrangement in characters and environments because you have become more clear in your motives and direction to where the energy can serve best once it's been centered and harmonized. You won't know that. You won't know that until you keep creating and keep creating a database of familiarity of what it's like to live a life where you create from a centered, harmonious, emotional state, sensibility within your body, no matter what is swirling around you, no matter what the debris is in your environment that gets pulled into your field as you become more powerful as an energetic being that invites things, just invites things on a very succinct, um, sym symmetrical, synchronized manner to the timing of your thoughts. This won't happen unless you actually take that time to keep that state no matter what's happening in your life and you keep mastering the different tones, depths, and angles to that one time-space continuum, that one paradigm that you're living in. And let me say one thing about timelines and lessons and why they do go hand in hand. Lessons is also listen phonetically. If you hear the word lesson, listen, lesson, listen, phonetically, right? So this is a little um, tea for you to sip on as I close this episode. Why they go hand in hand is because lesson sounds like listen phonetically. So you better listen to what time you're emitting because time backwards is emit. And what we learned about time is it correlated to emotions. And emotions is e-motion, energetic motion, what moves you to create. So will you create from your zero point or will you create with what you've been given to circulate within? Will you create your own motions or will you just move with how things have been. 
this is huge and this has been quite a mouthful of concepts In terms of this title, in terms of um, these concepts of inner world and outer world and the fundamentals that play, I truly hope this has been a nourishing episode. I've worked quite diligently and detailed on the script. Usually I'm someone who is intuitive and I'll just organically just press play and pause and keep recording. but. This episode had so many concepts and a certain ordinance to make it more understandable that I had to write it down into a script. And of course, you know, I have my own nuances to just wing, wing certain parts of the narrative. And I say all this just to let you know, um, just to let you know, yeah, that how much effort I put into making solutions, making methods, making applicable um, ways of thinking and having a mindset for you to better yourself in terms of self-empowerment, changing your paradigm, transformation, as that's what my life purpose is. And that's what my, um, that's what, what brings me joy. So if you want to learn more about how to do these things, if you want to learn more how to apply the theory, the context of what I've stated in this episode or anything that you see from me you can visit my website at huge the archetype and you can check out my services where I teach you these metaphysical tools these metaphysical concepts for you to embody and to breathe with to live with so that you conduct and you conduct lifestyle choices and actions that actually are in tune with your authentic self with your higher elevated state and attitude. And on that note, this is Archetype of Your Reality. Enjoy creating your life. Enjoy creating your today. Love y'all.